KCRS Radio, the knowledge station. You are listening to Motown Legends and Alumni with Billy and Billy. Welcome, welcome. How's everybody doing tonight? Um, we're glad to be here. We are Billy and Billy on Alumni uh, on CRS Radio Station, and we are here to uh, bring on some some news. So, Billy, if you will, take it. Let's roll. We want to thank everybody for coming on tonight. We do have an uh, interesting guest that will be coming on later on. Some of you may not, some of you old heads may not know who this woman is, but her name is Amuka, a.k.a. Mila Brady. And uh, she was uh, the lead singer of the Brides of Funkenstein. She was one of the original members of the P-Funk All-Stars. She's a celebrity in her own right. And uh, now she's a dance uh, star amongst the dance music scene. But she's really, really talented. And plus, she has not only a great story to tell, but one of the things I'm going to ask her about is the problems that occur a beautiful woman in the music business. See, a lot of people don't talk about that. And because people don't talk about it, you know, in many cases, it can be taboo because in today's time, people want you to name names. Well, we we don't necessarily have to name names, but we really want to be able to put a, a very solid light into the issues that come with being female in the music industry. Because she has certainly has gone through the gamut of what it means to be a means and what it takes to be a rock star. She's lived right. the rock star life. She lived the rock star life for a very long time. Oh, if yeah, you yeah. if you need to know, this is one of those times you'll get the opportunity to know about what it means to be a true rock star. So, yeah. um, let me also talk. And and by the way, she's going to be on in about a half an hour, so that. We need to knock off some an hour time, right. you know, which I yeah. which I always have something to talk about. Well, good. I right. love listening to you. <laughs> yeah, love listening go, and learning. Go ahead on. Please. Right. So, uh, um, one of the most interesting uh, one of the most interesting facts 
is that a lot of people don't know that George Clinton previous to becoming a big star, he was under the Golden World label, which was the Detroit label, Titian of Motown Records. So the Golden World label was also a part of the Dramatics label. They were also on the Golden World label. Uh, Carl Carlton, uh, Edwin Starr, just numerous people were part of the Golden World label. And Golden World was real competition. Uh, the Spinners, they were a part of the Golden World group. And as we all well know, it eventually actually bought that label. Now, what's interesting that that applies to George Clinton is that the parliament name, which was on the Golden World label, it transferred over to Motown Records. Oh, wow. The parliament the the parliament though themselves did not sign under the Motown label. Hmm. But you said they were Motown ended up owning the name Parliament because they bought oh. the Gold World label. Oh so, okay. the, the the problem with that <laughs> is that when the parliament say Motown wasn't trying to sign them and when they had to leave they had to leave the parliament name at Motown. Oh. So what but did George Clinton do? He renamed the group the Funkadelics. And hmm. and that's how the Funkadelics name became a part of, of the infrastructure of Parliament's Funkadelics. Now, eventually, oh. eventually he could use the name Parliament's again because, I mean, nobody was using it anyway. Mm-hmm. But you know, sometimes even Motown could be anal about you name usage. Uh, for example, <laughs> the Jackson Five. You know, the Jackson Five they couldn't use their name. They had to eventually identify themselves as the Jackson. Mm-hmm. Other groups have not been able to use it. Uh, the name per se. Uh, the Supremes, as an example, now Diana Ross could use the name the Supremes, but and even Mary Wilson could use the name, but uh, other people could not use the name. 
Supreme, the Supreme. Uh, eventually, Sherry Payton, who was the lead singer of the Supremes with Mary Wilson, she had to name her group Former Ladies of the Supremes, or Floss. They, they call themselves Floss. But she named her group Former Ladies of the Supremes. And, okay. and also... Also, the uh, there were issues that Mary Wilson had with the group that um, they called themselves the Sounds of the Supremes, but how they spelled it was the Sounds of that was in dinky print. The Supremes was in big print. Okay. And Mary did try to sue them over it, but she lost the case because of technicalities. There's some technicalities that apparently her lawyer didn't didn't address her on. That became a big issue. Okay. So, but... uh, George Clinton, as an example, the interesting thing about him, even though he his group was not able to join the Motown label itself, the actual group, like I said before, Motown bought the record company. They bought the name and all of the recordings that were ever done at that label under the Parliament's name. So the Parliament, though they are Motown, they were not contractually signed to Motown like the rest of the stars were. You know, all the other stars had the 2% contract. You know, they make 2% off of the sales, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't, they didn't, the partners didn't sign that contract, but they are allowed to make money through the process of, of sound exchange nowadays. Sound exchange, they pay the performance rights to all featured artists. And the parliaments at the time, they were only called the parliaments. So the, all of the band members and everybody that was in the parliaments, they get royalties nowadays. They, they can't get royalties nowadays. Okay. Uh, thank God. But thank God for today's time. Yeah. Now, now let me ask you something, Billy. Um, now, when they brung out with um, the problem that sprung out, I want to testify. Um, Gold World, or was that underneath the? Uh, that was under Golden, Golden World. Uh, the interesting part of it was the background singers. Um, there were only four background, three background singers. It was 
Pat Lewis, Ron Banks of of the Dramatics, mm-hmm. and, oh, and George Clinton. And George Clinton. Mm-hmm. Wow. There were no other. There were no other people. The Parliament band and the Parliament group themselves did not sing on that record. Wow. I didn't know that, neither. Me neither. Another thing, <laughs> another thing, Billy, was, now I had a cousin that was a collector of music, and there was something he showed me, which was on a, a 45, and it was the Parliament's, I think it was the Parliament's, did did George ever do in any country in Western? Because he had a forty five that um, that was either the Funkadelic or the Parliament, one of the two. Are you aware of any of that? I'm not aware of that. I would have. I've, now, he passed I've, away. I've never, I've never even heard of that. Now, yeah, are you I sure? Are yeah, you I've sure? Are you yep. sure it was the parliaments, uh, the black parliament? Because yeah. there was a yeah. white parliament also. Now, that could have been. Um, it's been so many years, and I believe I heard it, and it sounded like it was, it didn't sound like it was white parliaments. And I have no way of knowing unless I contact his brother because he passed away. And I don't even know what his brother kept all his albums and stuff like that. But that's the first time I've ever seen or heard of it. So that's why I was kind of uh, wondering whether that's a possibility. I guess I guess it can be Googled, but he is, he is the only one I've ever seen that, that copy with. So, you know, as far as I can think of, it was supposed to be. Do you know what label it was up to? No, I can't remember. I cannot remember. It was earlier years, though. It was from back in the 60s. That's for sure. I, so I was wondering whether George was maybe testing the water on some things, you know, and just did that. So I don't know. That That's a big possibility. I mean, yeah. if, I had yeah. to, if I had to say... Uh, if I had to just guess at it, I'm sure George probably experimented. Right. I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah. my, now, let me, as I'm thinking about it, there was one song that was um, produced. I. I'm not sure it was it it was considered country, but it may have been. The song was called "Little Old Country Boy." Okay. Now that now that could have been what you were talking about. It very well little, could have been. Little old country boy. Mm-hmm. I don't remember when the song was done, but. But there was a song called that, and that that could be the country part of country that you're talking about. I'm gonna have to investigate that because, like I said, um, I'm I, I know it was I know it was the Parliament's, and uh, he had it in his collection, 
and I've never yeah. ever seen that <laughs> anybody else. I think, I, I think you're talking about little old country boy. Could have been. That song, that song, uh, one of the few songs that has some kind of twang to it. Right, right. That country twang. They weren't that good at it, but, you know. No, no. I I remember back in the day when um, when I was playing music and it was an all black band. And we had to learn to play rock and roll. Right. And man, did hmm. they suck at it. Oh, yeah. My band, yeah. I, I have a wonderful band. We are great at funk music. We are great at R&B music. But when we play country music, oh, man, mm-hmm. how embarrassing. Yeah, that, oh, wow. that yeah. That's something special. You have to have a, something special about playing that because it's a different. <laughs> it's it's kind of like the lyrics is, is relatable in terms of maybe an R and B type thing, but the music is it's just the transition, and it's a lot of times it's hard to transition yeah. over to that style. Uh, and it has to be kind of embedded well, into you, you know. That's well, the thing. Uh, there are, there are plenty of examples out there. The Isley brothers, remember Ernie Isley? That the mm-hmm. the 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 sound that he used for his, his guitar sound. Oh, what was the song? Who's that lady? Yeah, mm-hmm. that yeah. that particular song. It was supposed to be a rock and roll sort of sound. But oh. it was supposed <laughs> to have that rock and roll feel. But it but what it had was uh a black person's idea of what rock and roll is. It really gotcha. the, oh, the, wow. the, the, the Something wasn't full enough. It was very thin. It was now, mind you, who that lady went off extremely well. It became a major hit, so it got to the yeah. point to where he that particular sound was really his sound. Yeah, that, that became his sound. That certainly <laughs> was not the rock and roll sound. No. That, no. It was not I, rock and roll. I always thought. <laughs> I always thought it depends on which part of the country you were born in. You know, certain no. sounds. You know. <laughs> yeah. That, popular that sounds. One point. That was a that was a black person's sound. Black black person's yeah. idea of rock and roll. That that certainly <laughs> was not. A rock and roll concept that rock and rollers uh, appreciate. <laughs> they didn't appreciate it that much. Right. You know, like uh, country music, it makes me think you have to go to Texas to get good country music because it depends, or, you know, rural areas where it's listened to mostly, where you could get that sound, where somebody was born. 
in those areas. That's what I was thinking. Like, I've always thought that. <laughs> Actually, well, you know, we we live in Michigan, so Nashville is, you know, in Tennessee is up under us. Right. right. And that's really the mecca of country music. Now, of course, uh-huh. of course, in the western part of the United, midwestern portion of the United States, you got a slew of white folks that dominate the media and the infrastructure of of, um, of the music scene. So, mm-hmm. of course, you're going to hear more of that, and uh, down south too. I, I remember my my grandmother when she came up here. How I got introduced to country music was through her. She liked the oh. Grand Ole Opry, and she liked country music. And, and mm-hmm. I end up as a kid. I used to like uh, Hank Williams Senior. Oh, and yeah. I, only oh. Liked, I only liked him because how he bopped up and down, you know, how when when he bounced, hey, 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 good looking. I was like, hey, I like how he's bopping that, how he's playing that music and bopping at the same time. So I kind of bop like him. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Kind of like Popeye the salesman trying to, you know, Trying to dance, yeah, I kind of remember. That's sort of what it was like. I was so, raised country. So, I was raised country. So, that was a very popular genre uh, amongst her, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, the all that stuff, Popeye and and uh, uh, Grand Ole Opry and uh, what's that? Uh, that hillbilly song, uh, the hillbilly uh, program they used to come on. Beverly uh, Hillbilly. Uh, no, I can't. No. Can't think of them now, but oh, but they were, old show. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, they had Roy Orbison and all of those cats. Oh. Um, I can't oh, remember. But. Look. <laughs> but but that was that was the thing that I used to watch because my grandmother listened to country music also. Mm-hmm. Grand Ole Opry? Was it? No, it wasn't was Grand Ole Opry. It was Hee Haw. Oh, Hee Haw. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, was yeah we used to watch that. I used yeah. to watch yeah. them country boys yeah. were talented, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember, I, and I remember thinking, what are these days I'm going to play like them? I'm the going to play my music. <laughs> the band yeah, yeah, you know. I was well, like, I'm picking. Play. I'm picking and I'm grinning. But that's what I think that's one of the songs or exactly. something like that they had on it. With them banjos. Exactly. Yep. And that yep. was pretty much all we had to look at back in them days. Well, you know, we didn't, we didn't, at that time, we didn't have Soul Train. 
No. You know, that oh, didn't pop a whole lot. Yeah. That Not popped up, I think, in 69. Yeah, 69 to 70. Soul Chain, I think, popped up around that time. Um, but, yeah, oh. you had four stations back then, probably. If you're lucky, maybe five. You know, now look at the look at the world now. You got over two or three hundred stations. You know, so yeah, but, yeah. Well, oh. you know, where you live, five six hundred stations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you down in, and uh, I think I got a cousin that has a system that he got from out of Vegas. He gets about that. It's like you know he can. He's a, a sports. Uh, person so he likes boxing so you can get all types of boxing you know on that stuff so I'd like to have a system like that I think he only paid like $20 a month or something for that so so I have to get with him and see um, where he got that from but yeah, yeah. I, you know it's just like there's a lot of more things out there to discover uh, than the basic stuff that we see now Um because you can still see some of the old performers on some of these shows. Usually uh, PBS used to have a lot of them on there, and I don't think they do that anymore too much. They used to have they, they have they, they have those old stations here in Detroit. You can see all the old movies in between, in between, you know, Channel 2, 4, and 7. Oh, okay. okay. And beyond, they have... All the old flicks, all the old game shows. We and that's just through rabbit ears. That's okay. not even through cable. That's just through rabbit ears. Wow! I didn't th- think anybody was still using that. <laughs> yeah, you know? we can here. We can use our, you know, you know, use the special <laughs> antennas, but but those antennas can pick up. We probably have about 50 or 60 stations here, at least. That's true. To be honest with you, we don't really need Internet here, not in Detroit. Right. Because our our regular stations, we have all the NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox. We have all of those stations, and then we have... Mm -hmm. Uh, then we have uh, PBS and uh, uh, you know all the other food stations and you know we, we pretty much got everything here. Now, if you mm-hmm. add cable, then you're talking about like 200 more stations if you add cable. But, but did you guys people, have... like like me? They got both. You know, we have mm-hmm. both. And now, we can watch. Like, did you have something like uh, UHC? I think it was something like that. It was a, it's an extra station, but you know you had to play with the antennas a lot with that. Um, but that was the station that was in that was in um, Grand Rapids. I think it was UHF. And, UHF. Uh, you yeah. find a lot of, a lot of uh, stuff on there, not movies and stuff, you know. But you can we, all you can always a, get a good reception. We have all of that here. Mm-hmm. We have all of that here, and and mm-hmm. more all of that and more the travel stage. This is all stuff 
it comes with regular antenna. Right, right. So Detroit, yeah, it, Detroit got it happening now. We, we, well, it's come a long way. Well, yeah, you know, it's come a long way. This town is very is becoming more and more uh, collective with its culture. There are different mm-hmm. areas, different cultures, but you know everybody accepts each other. Every now and then, you might find a, a suburban redneck. Every now and then, you know that right. They 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 honestly think that people are still fighting in the streets of Detroit. I'm thinking, yeah, right. Right, no, it's totally <laughs> different. The downtown this, area this, has changed. This, yeah, this is when you know Detroit has changed. One time mm-hmm. I was uh, walking from casino to casino, probably about mm-hmm. a quarter of a mile between these two particular casinos. Mm-hmm. And as I was walking down the street, it was about 3 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I seen this lady, this this white woman, with her poodle. Mm. She was walking. She was walking her poodle. This is downtown Detroit. Wow! Yeah. So I thought, oh now this woman's kind of brave to be walking late late at night like this in Detroit. Yeah. The next thing I seen was this white man walking his St. Bernard. Mm-hmm. I, I thought, oh, yeah, he, he got a gutsy, too. I walked down wow. further, further. I see I see another little old white lady. She had to be about 80 years old. Mm-hmm. And she, she was walk, walking her... Uh, uh, Chihuahua. Now I'm thinking, okay, this is a true sign. Detroit has changed tremendously. Oh yeah, that, you you never back in the day you never see white people walking their dogs late at night in the middle of beyond the middle of the night. Yeah. Uh, and looking at you like, hello, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like nothing, like nothing, you know? It, it does, didn't oh, yeah. mean anything to them. Well, there was parts in Detroit yeah. you couldn't even go into. You know what I'm saying? I mean, without something's going to happen. I mean, I've seen all aspects of Detroit. There's areas that I wouldn't even drive into because it, it's so scary. And it's so much. There was so much stuff going on that back then. So um, that is one th- thing I can say about about uh, Detroit. Now Chicago, on the other hand, uh, they say a lot about Chicago, all uh, the killings that's taking place. Um, but actually, you know, it's Chicago is a very beautiful place. Um, but yeah. you can be anywhere in Chicago, and something can happen. But um, it's just, yeah. it's, it's not. It's not discouraging, but it's just being at the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, that's the thing. Right. 
But uh, I think Detroit. Now, is it time for that commercial break we were talking about? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, um, we, it's time for that commercial break, Billy. So um, you are listening to you are listening to CRS Motown's Legends and Alumni with Billy and Billy, and we have a special guest coming up, Amuka, and she will be joining us, Sheila Brody. She will be joining us after this station identification and commercial. This is CRS Radio, the knowledge station. You are listening to Motown Legends and Alumni with Billy and Billy. From author Dr. Denise Gotadis comes a self-help guide that will give you valuable information about the world around you in ways never imagined. The metaphysical God in relation to his creation. Available on Amazon. In this must-read book, you will learn about your importance in the world and the metaphysical universe around you. You will be introduced to the metaphysical God who has a relationship with you and those around you. Whether you are aware of this or not, you come into contact with him daily. He is omnipresent metaphysically. He is in and outside of his creation. And what does a metaphysical God have to do with you and the creation around you? You are a very big piece of a huge puzzle. The Metaphysical God in relation to his creator from author Dr. Denise Gotadis is available on Amazon. Order your copy right now.
This is CRS Radio, the knowledge station. You are listening to Motown Legends and Alumni with Billy and Billy. And yes, you are listening to CRS Motown, right, Billy? That's right. Motown Legends and Alumni. Oh, yeah, we're back. And guess what, Billy and Billy? We have Amuka in the house. All right. All right, and see, Amuka is the stage name used by singer-songwriter Sheila Brody, originally from Detroit. She was discovered by funk musician George Clinton, and she became a member of the Brides of Funkenstein, a P-Funk spinoff act, although she has performed... As a rock and funk singer, Brody has earned the most success as a club dance vocalist in 1999 <laughs> as Blackwood. And she also released a best-selling album, Friday Night, and single piece in Italy before returning to the United States, teaming with the producer-remixer Peter Rahola. Rahoffer, Rahoffer, right? Rahoffer. <laughs> Rahoffer, okay. And she has released several singles. And she's going to tell you all about everything with Mr. Billy Wilson. So I want to just welcome her along with Billy and Billy to Motown Legends and Alumni. Welcome. Welcome. We are pleased to have you. And can't wait to hear the stories. So I'm going to pass you over to my associate and my friend, Billy Wilson. Thank hey, you. Hey, how, how are you? you? I'm good. You like I'm good. good. Life is well, amazing. I think that the, uh, the, the world has, has a presence in in your presence. Oh wow! And and um, now let me ask you. I've, I've always wanted to ask: Is is the is the rock world or the music professional entertainment world as exciting as? you thought it would be? Um, It's even more exciting, actually. Um, Just doing, being able to do different genres of music, to just kind of move easily in and out of them is pretty um, exciting for me because it always seemed like they were always trying to put you in one, like, area, like you're either this or you're that or this. And I like all good music. And um, I like being versatile. And I for my soul, so, you know, I, I'm having a really enjoyable ride in the music industry, I, I believe it or not. It's really, you learn a lot, and you have those, what do I call them, rites of passage? Everybody has their rites of passage. So that's what we call them. Right. But, um, but yeah, as well, I'm, I'm, I, I think it's, I love it. I am music. Music is my life. That's real. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah. Okay, take us back Take us back to the beginning when you were in somebody's basement. Oh, wow. Um, 
I was uh, there was I was in a group called I was in a group called Holden Caulfield, and it was uh, these all white group. They lived in Gross Point, and um, then I was in Damali. I've been in several groups. I just started doing um, talent shows, and I started winning. I won them, and people seemed to enjoy my voice, and I I actually did like the feeling that they got from when I sang, and I could feel that. So it fueled my passion to be to become um, a singer. And then the songwriting part happened with my friend Charlotte Morgan. She kept telling me, she told me about Sheryl Crow and how Sheryl Crow was a background singer at one point for Michael Jackson, and then she, she went into becoming a singer-songwriter in her own right. And she could write songs. And she said, well, she can write songs. You can write songs. So I started writing songs. And I, did, I was married to Steve Washington of the group, of group Slave and Aura. We have a son who happens to be George Clinton's godson, by the way. Um, but we, he gave me, the, he gave me the, the ability and opportunity to be recognized as a songwriter, producer, not just a singer, an artist. And it's difficult to really... Um, penetrate that barrier because it really is a man's world. It still is, but I, 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 was, um, I was welcomed in through his uh, opportun- the opportunity that he gave me to, to do that, and I was really, I'm very, very, um, I really appreciate that he gave me the opportunity. opportunity. And then um, George, of course, always made me feel like I could do anything, and uh, like when he hired me on the steps of United Sounds right here in Detroit, this girl, Lynn Mabry, who was a bride of Funkenstein, they had already started the vibe, and then they were looking for background singers, and I just happened to go in the studio with this guy, E-Man, that invited me to come there. This is all my book. And I went there, and I was talking to Lynn Mabry, and she was playing my little tape in the little boombox, and George came walking down the stairs with his all his red leather, and it was 90 degrees outside, so I'm like, this guy, whoa, what's going on? <laughs> and he walked down with these six-inch heels, and he looked at me, and she said, look, check this out, George. She played the song, and then he said, is that you? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you got a passport? I'm like, nope. And you need to get one because you're hired. And I didn't believe him, of course, at first. But he was serious, and I went to Europe, and I always wow. wanted to go to Europe. Yeah, it was it was like a fantasy. Awesome. It was magical. It was magical. <laughs> it really was. That's awesome. Yeah. It, that is, yeah. My awesome. whole life has seemed to be magical. Yeah. What year was so? If that was when when you went overseas, uh, oh, yeah. were you, were you with the brides or were you with George? Well, I was. That was when I did that. It was after I wasn't. I wasn't doing. I wasn't with George because I George allowed me to come and go. Like, you know, I became a mother. I got married. And then I wasn't singing with him, and I because I stayed with my children. Uh, I didn't even perform when they were young because I nursed them. So whenever I was done, I went back on the road. But then this particular opportunity came, this guy, Carmen Cacciatore. There was a song, you remember the song, She's a Barbie Girl in a Barbie World? You remember that song? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. this guy, discovered, he discovered that. I movie, remember. And he, and he believed in me as an artist, and he was about to give me a development deal when they gave development deals. And and then while he was going to do that, I got this opportunity from this girl named um, Jana, who was another singer, which I wish more singers would do this, like the sense of community. 
she she offered me a gig in Italy that she couldn't do because she had other things to do. So I accepted the I accepted it and I went to Italy, and I got with um, Antonio Verdi and Daniela Verdi, A and D Records, and um, it was so funny because when I went over there first, I I, I had all I, my hair was black. I was all in black. And she said, no, 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 it's too dark, it's too dark. And she made, she gave me blonde hair. I was wearing blue contacts. Yes, I was. She gave me blonde hair. Yeah. I didn't realize what was happening. <laughs> but they were trying to make me look more white. Because then when I, when I came on, when I did the album cover, I thought it was a little light. And then I started doing shows. They kept thinking I was a white girl. And I didn't realize that's what they were doing. But that's exactly what they were doing. But mm. I guess wow. it's the thing. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was pretty intense. But... It was a really amazing situation to go over there, but I really didn't understand the dance world at the time. I'd never done that before. And when I went over there, I didn't realize they were getting paid like uh, like thousands of dollars for my shows. I was supposed to get $1,000 a show, and then they told me, well, can we give you like 700 you know, because we got all these bills. And I'm naive. Like, oh, you want to be a team player? And so I did that. I said, okay, I'll do this for a little while. I, but I didn't realize, I knew there was a stack of money. I saw that I was always somebody with me, and they were giving me a stack of money, and they were giving me money off that money, when in reality, all that money was supposed to go to me. But oh, wow. you don't, you don't know. So anybody, if you're going to Europe, okay, you're supposed to get all the money. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that was, but you, like I said, rites of passage. I call those incidents uh, stepping stones to success. I don't call anything a failure because you live and you learn. And in the music game, there's a lot of learning to be had. So, no doubt. Yeah, I did that. And wow. then I, I, oh, I had a song, big song called Peace. The album's called Friday Night. I beat Madonna on the MTV Italia. I, my song beat her out on the radio. And it was crazy. I mean, like, I was a really big star over there. It just happened, like, overnight. It was incredible. Wow. And then, wow. but they were Italian people, and they were like, you know, it was weird because I was still American, and then they, there was just it was, it just got interesting, and um, they thought that uh, oh, they didn't want me to, they didn't want me to tell anybody my real name. They're like, Ashila, when you go to the places, you know, <laughs> if they ask you the real name, no, 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 you are Blackwood, you are not Sheila, you don't say your name. I'm like, what? And and the yeah, they were establishing their name Blackwood. And uh, I said, no, 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 I'm not going to lie. I'm going to tell him my name. And then it, then I, I sang happy birthday at this guy's club, my friend. And then right. the guy said, oh, Sheila, you, you cannot sing happy birthday. You cannot sing anywhere. I was like, you don't own my voice. It was crazy. Right. <laughs> Ooh. But I survived it, and I made up my mind that um, there was an incident that took place, and she, the lady got really angry, and she said some really mean things about Americans, and I happened to be American. And I decided at that time it was time for me to go home. So I was packing up my stuff. I didn't know they had a key to my apartment, but they did. And they realized I was leaving. And they was like, oh, Sheila, we're sorry, Daniela. She didn't know what she was saying. Please don't go. I got my ticket, and I came home. Yeah, I was happy to be back home. Whoa. I was in the country. I didn't speak the language. There were many nights when I cried because it's very lonely if you're in a place and you don't speak the language. That is a crazy time, but... I got through it through the grace of God, and I made it back home. So to tell this story, and it will be in my book. <laughs> wow. Did, wow. Did, you, did, did you kiss the ground like I did 
when, oh, I, yeah. when I came back home. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was so happy to be back in America. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Yes, yes, I felt safe. It was, it was really, and then I found out after, I knew it was a little weird, you know, I found out that the, the, the label guy, his brother was definitely mafia. I did not know that. And I had discussions mm-hmm. with this guy, and I was all talking, like, I'm not going to do this, and I'm not, I did not know that. I found out after I got back home. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was we. <laughs> That's yeah, interesting. You never know, you know. And you got it. But I did some crazy things over there, guys. I remember I was in a store called Fiorucci's, and this guy, I didn't even know him. He was like, oh, come on, they take you on a motorcycle ride on my bike. I live by the water. I'll make you a good seafood dinner. Do you know I went? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he took me a good seafood dinner, and it was wonderful, but... I don't realize how dangerous that was, so dangerous. But I did it. I wasn't afraid. Like, I don't know. I said, I'm in Italy. They don't do those kinds of things. And I just made it up on my head. But it was a dangerous thing to do. I wouldn't advise anybody to do that. But it was great. (laughs) Weren't those Italians, they're kind of known for the adventurous things that happened there in Italy. They're known for it. Yeah, but they don't. They don't have, like, drive-bys. They don't have guns like we do over here. Because in Italy, they can stop you without any reason. If they want to just pull you over and stop you, they can. And you cannot have a gun. Like, assault rifles and all that are not allowed in Italy to just regular people. You can't get one. And uh, there were wow. very few wow. murders like that. You know what I mean? It wasn't like – it was it's just different. It was very different. And I felt more safe, even though there was a serial killer um the trains. <laughs> he was he had a key to the women's bathroom and he was going in the women's bathroom and it, it was happening. That was happening. I do remember that. But other than that it was pretty wow. safe. Pretty safe. Italy is way so different. Was, oh my God. So so what was it like being married to a rock star also? Both of both oh, of see. you were in the business. Yes. Um, well, he he was like he was a he was definitely a child prodigy, and you know the group Slave and Aura. I mean, those were his groups. He was the creator and everything. They called him the fierce leader. Um, it was different because he was very very uh, very much an introvert, and I was like an extrovert. Um, but he believed in me, and he definitely nurtured my desire to be more than just an artist. I always wanted to be more than just a singer. I wanted to wear many hats, and he allowed me to wear those hats. And we wrote songs with George Clinton, like, If I Go That Shape, You Always Break My Heart. Um, we wrote a lot of really good things, songs with George. And um, George didn't write with a lot of people, you know, but I was really, I felt really um, blessed that I got the opportunity to write songs with him as well as be a part of the band. And I'm a P-Funk All-Star as well as Bride of Funkenstein. I'm a, I'm a P-Funk All-Star. But the Bride of Funkenstein part, I came into the three-girl act with the three brides after it was Dawn and Lynn, and the three of us were background singers. But then Lynn left, so George decided to make it a three-girl act. But one of the other girls who was, this is funny, it's not really funny, but one of the other girls who was a bride, like bridesmaid like my wife, she decided... She saw that Lynn might leave because Lynn was with Junie, and she saw that she might leave. So she tried to create a situation that if they were going to put somebody else, it would be her. But she, what she did was wow. she 
My mother always said if you dig a hole for somebody, you better dig one for yourself. She ended up the one leader, yeah. and then there were just mm-hmm. us two left. She tried to sabotage us, but it didn't work. And we ended up mm-hmm. there, and George said, I'm going to make a three-girl act. So we became the three, three brides, and we did Never Buy Texas from a Cowboy. That's See? Yeah. That's what people get when they try to sabotage. Yes. Yes. So what are you you doing now at this point in time? Are you on tour? Well, actually, I'm about to do some things. I'm working. I don't know if you're familiar with the Charavari Festival. Yeah. There's a festival called Charavari. Um, I'm actually working out some terms to... um, beyond that festival. They really didn't have any uh, live singers before, but um, we're going to do something a little different this year, so I'm in the process of doing that right now. I have another show probably in Columbus, Columbus in June. Um, I'm working on some things, but I've been here uh, taking care of my mom. Um, I figured my mother allowed me to go and be gallivant all over the world, so now she needs me, and my husband and I are looking after my mother, and I'm still doing music. Aww, so, yeah. Good. I love my mom. She's really cool. She always supported me. She was always there for me. She used to drive me to the airport when I would go on these, you know, yeah. go do my tours. She'd take me to the airport, pick me up. And, you know, hmm. you know, we got to be there for parents. And I don't believe in nursing homes. I'm sorry. When I lived in Italy, they don't do nursing homes. That's right. That's yeah, right. Me neither. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm now, care. now yeah. you're married to Steve? I was married to Steve Washington, and we okay. have a son, Samak, who was okay. also in the movie. Have you ever seen the movie Crooklyn? Spike Lee. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 My son Sam was uh, he was the youngest of the Carmichael children. He was the youngest, like he played he played Spike Lee's youngest brother because that story is about Spike Lee's life. So I was oh, at that with Spike okay. Lee. Yeah. We were on the set with him for about four, five, six months. My son did that mm-hmm. movie. That's Steve Washington's son. His name is Samok. And uh, then okay. I just, now I'm, I'm working on a project. I just, I sent Billy the song. I meant to send it to him earlier called Don't Treat Me Like I'm Invisible. That's my latest okay. song. <laughs> um, it, it was like when I first did it, I wasn't even really thinking that we did. I did it before now, but it came up now because there's labels that are interested in the song. And I want to give it the right home because it's a very important song. I wanted to give people that voice that, like, appreciate me, gave people that voice that couldn't say, you don't appreciate me, and they would just put the song on. And a lot of people told me, you know, like, it saved my life. I just, I didn't know what was wrong with me, and I wasn't feeling appreciated, so I just put the song on. You didn't have to say it. So the same with Don't Treat Me Like I'm Invisible, I think, and I have felt invisible before. Um, Okay, just for instance, when they did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the P-Funk guys were inducted, they didn't include any of the women. Mm-hmm. And we're all over the wow. Yeah. And then the second thing that happened was uh, when the Grammy Achievement Award came about, they did the same thing. So I actually called them, and the woman I spoke to, she was the ex-manager for Moby, the group Moby, and she said, I understand, but we just took the same list from the – Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I said, well, that list is incorrect because it doesn't include any of the women, and we're clearly all over those songs. Um, but mm-hmm. yep. So we, I felt invisible, and I, you know, it's just like, you don't want to feel invisible. I don't want anybody to feel like That's that. Right. And 
I was just trying to give a voice mm-hmm. to, I know you guys know about these mass, these murders that people are just going around and, and the question everybody says is, why don't they just kill themselves? Because if they kill themselves, nobody would even know or they would, nobody would even care. So I feel right. like these people need a voice too because they're feeling invalidated and invisible. They'd rather be visible in death yeah. than invisible in life. And I think yeah. the spiritual side is, of course, God. God is not invisible. And he was like, Sheila, I'm not invisible. And Billy will tell you I'm, I'm very spiritual. And um, a lot of, I've seen all this, this stuff, and you know, I'm in the industry, and you know who um, Sam Smith is. You guys know who that is, right? Yeah, yeah. Sam Smith, the singer. And you know how his first, you know, his persona was before, right? And now I see him on the Grammys, mm-hmm. and he's doing all this stuff. I'm like, whoa. It's not just him. There's a lot of people that are starting to do that. And it was like, I just had like an epiphany, and God was like, Sheila, I'm not invisible. So I see God right. everywhere in my life every day. And that's why I thought the song was important. So it said it's coming out at a very important time. And, uh, yeah, I'm working yeah. on a few things. That I believe in that one. Awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. Yeah, that is. Um, so is that, re- is that released now? Is it out now? Well, I just sent Billy a copy of it. I um okay. yeah. I, I have put it out yet because I was trying to find um the right home for it. Like I want to find right. the right place, good promotion, good marketing because I want to reach the masses. I want to be that voice for someone that feels like they feel like invisible and they're not able to say it or vocally like express themselves. And I want to be that voice for those people. So also, you know, they're having right. trouble with the LGBTQ community. And the transgender thing, they're trying to wipe them out. So I just want to be that voice for people that can't speak up for themselves. Well, and, you're, in the you right, you're in the right place because we are independent. Um, I have a show as well as Billy. Um, Denise has a show. Um, so we're all about independence and uh, wow. helping them you know, break through. You know what I'm saying? So yes. um, definitely welcome at any of our formats. Um, we'll be oh, glad to have you. So let's do this. Um, <laughs> let's do a, a commercial break real quick, and we'll come right back um, with our guests and finish up some things. we still got a little, lot more to talk about, so we'll be right back. Thank you. And most definitely, Billy, because um, she was saying that she has a song where God and, and Mr. Billy Wilson actually did um, put a song in the studio. It's God Walks. I think that will be a great song uh, by you exactly. to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, the invisible song.
This is CRS Radio, the knowledge station. You are listening to Motown Legends and Alumni with Billy and Billy. Yeah, wow. we're back. What a wonderful couple tracks that was. Um, I'm really feeling it. Uh, the God Walks, definitely um, uh, a slammer. It's a slammer. Man, that song, I was in Macon, Georgia. It, the pandemic had just started. 
I left on March 14th. I'll never forget it. Well, I went to uh, Tallahassee first with George Liz. I, I, had a, I had a locker there, a storage locker I had to clean out. And then I went to Macon with my friend Biobi, who's recovering from pneumonia right now. Um, we, he wrote that song with me, and I was like, that song, we wrote 40 songs. I'm not wow. sure. That song was great. That oh last song was great. <laughs> uh, that was Miss You. I wrote that was a song I wrote in Italy that I revised when I came here to the States. Um, I did that one over. It was on my album. But that God walks, God walks through the fire with you, and you won't even smell the smoke coming from your shoes. I, that just came, just came to me. And every time I hear it, I feel like I feel like this overwhelming desire to like it makes me want to cry, you know? Because yeah. I was, I'd ask God to bless the world. I did a prayer in His basement. I had like this thing that came over me, and I did this prayer to God to save us, you know? Because the pandemic was like, oh my God, it was like. It was definitely a plague. And wow. that song, yeah, that was one of the songs. That we did like 40 songs. Wow. <laughs> that wow. Was, That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. It, it yeah, was a fun. lot of so, Yes. It so, a lot. Yeah. So, Sheila, uh, uh, yeah. tell us about your stint with NWA. Oh, you mean... Uh, uh, Talk about Chuck D and, and Public Enemy. Public Enemy. Chuck D and Public Enemy. <laughs> yeah, that was that was amazing. Um, they were looking. They had signed all these really like these artists. They were like um, eighteen or what, really young artists, and they found that they couldn't produce the same thing on the stage. So my friend Jarak, and then there was Sean Carter that was working for them. And my friend Jack from the group Slave, Mark Hicks, it's, this is funny because every time he would do all these other things with other females, I'm not going to say their names, but he told me every time he would bring me up, like, oh, we don't need Sheila, we don't need Sheila, right? So he wouldn't call me. So this time he said he only called me because they were looking for an artist that could, that wanted to work on the, the what is it, Lakeside. We were going to do a project with Lakeside. And Jack had set it up. He said, hey. You know, after this project we do, I want you to give her her own album. So they agreed. But unfortunately, Jack, he passed away before we could even do the first one. But they kept their word on doing the second thing. So I did a, an album with uh, Chucky and um, Public Enemy and Gary Ronaldo, G-Wiz. And uh, that was one of the songs that um, that we did when I was with that group. I mean, it was... I worked with them. We did this song called Everything, and I did the I did the background vocals. I wrote the, the background vocals in the hook, and then they gave it to Chuck, and it went to like almost two million, like really immediately. So they signed me. I was signed to Spit Digital, and we did some really we did um, um Midnight Train to Georgia in a one take. It's on it's on YouTube, but we never released it. But it's got like almost two hundred thousand hits. I don't even know. How that happened? Oh, that's um, my favorite. That's one of my favorites. Midnight Train in Georgia. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah. Well, then you got to hear the Sheila Brody version because that was my version that I did. I didn't want to do it. I was like, I don't do R and B. I don't do R and B. And like, come on, Sheila, you can do it. So I did the song that oh. happened that I did. Because <laughs> you know, last night from Detroit, and <laughs> I was living in California, and it was so relatable. 
Um, so I did the song, and it really came out. It really came out good. I mean, I was really shocked because I didn't wow. think I could do. I didn't want to do Gladys Knight, and everybody says, "Well, you know, that's Gladys Knight." But I, I came over my fear, overcame my fear, and I did it, and it was fun. Awesome. I did. Um, yeah, we also did a song called Honky Talk Rules. You got to see that one. That was when I was actually on stage with um, Public Enemy and Flavor Flav and Chuck D. And that, that, it never really came out. Because, okay, this is going to be in my book, too. There was this girl, and Chuck had her work with Gary. And she worked with Gary for a while. A little white girl. I mean, I, I'm not racist. You know, I have white in my family. So and she was she was in the, she asked Gary, she wanted Gary to pay her a certain amount of money. She's like, I can't afford that. So she left Gary, started working with Chuck. And then um, Gary and Chuck ended up, she was like a little mole, I hate to say that, but it was weird. I watched her literally take that group apart. <laughs> I watched it with my own eyes. And the first time she met me, I was on the set of Honky Talk Rules, and she kicked me off my own set of my own video. And oh, I didn't want to argue with her. So, yeah, I didn't want to <laughs> argue with her. I was dressed up and everything. So oh, when, when Chuck called me, he was like, where are you? I said, uh, the girl kicked me off. She said, get over back here. Don't listen to her. So she got chewed out, and she apologized and everything, but uh, she later went on to cause a lot of craziness. But she eventually had a baby with Flavor Flay. She was, um, yeah, she went from Chuck, and then she went to, she went from Gary to Chuck, and she was on the, in the group um, uh, uh, Pockets of Rage, and the manager of Pockets mm. of Rage didn't want her, did not want her on the floor uh, anymore, and Chuck couldn't do anything because he was a guest. So she got angry with him, and then she started working with Flavor. And then um, she kind of, um, she was managing Flavor. She wanted to manage me, but I didn't really want to ma- be managed by her and her partner. And George told me, George always mentors me, and he said, this is what you should, uh, you shouldn't go higher than this as far as a management, uh, what they would get, a percentage. And um, so I didn't work with her, but she ended up, like, she had an ultimatum to either be uh, Flavor's manager or not have a baby. So she chose to have a baby. Cutest little boy ever in the whole world. And uh, But the group was like, they're hardly even talking to each other. And I'm just like, it was the craziest thing ever. And I witnessed the whole thing. I was right there. So, like yeah. a toxic work yeah. environment. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. But, you know, I love Chuck D because he said, Sheila, he said, I want you to get, he said, I want to make sure you get everything you've worked your whole life to get, to have in your life. And he he was one of the nicest guys. I love Chuck D. I love Gary Ronaldo. I love them all, and I don't want to really be in the middle of any of that, you know, but it was crazy right, to watch right. an iconic band just, like, fall apart. It was just the weirdest thing, and, and it, you know, but I love them. I love those guys, and I still love Chuck and the rest of them. Aww. So, so Sean Carter is the one who hooked me up with everything, so, yeah. So that was uh, um, What? Now, I've seen you on two programs. The one mm-hmm. was what was it called? On the bus or? Oh, Tales of the Tour Bus. Tales of the yeah. Tour Bus. Yes, by Mike Judge. George. Did you see that? Did you see the George Clinton one? Yep, I did. Yeah, I yep. see. I, I seen all of them. Yeah. Okay. Well, you. I was on the side of that bus with all those big people. I was like, thank you, God. I, actually, that's the second thing I did with Mike Judge. I did a Bootsy cartoon that's on Internet right now. 
had a big pink wig and I got these glasses. I was the voice of that lady, of that girl. In the cartoon, I worked with my judge a couple oh. of times. And he, he didn't even know that he was picking the same girl again. It was so funny. Yeah, but he's a great guy. He's a really good guy. Yeah. That Tales of the Tour bus was fun. I told the story. Now, now how about, yeah, how about, uh, now I see you also in a documentary. Not the one, Tear the Roof Off. That could have been the one. That could have been, well, how how many have you done? I've done a few. But the one that I, the one tear the roof off, I would not, they really wanted to dog George, and I wasn't going to do that. So when they did the q and I was invited. So I haven't even really seen that one. But every time people see me now and they find out I'm with George, they go, oh, you must hate him. I'm like, no, I love him. And you can't believe everything that you see on in a documentary is always the truth. Right, so, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, George is not. They're trying to make him like a villain, and he's so not a villain. He's very caring, and he gave everybody a springboard. And, um, you know, there's two sides to every story, and I think people need to hear the other side before they make their judgment, you know, about George. You know, they try to say he was doing this and that, and he wasn't doing all that. It wasn't the way that they're portraying it. And that was a little – I wasn't really happy about that part of the movie at all. So yeah, no. I'm I'm in my book I'm gonna try to set things straight as to who George Clinton really is. He always looked out for me and he always treated me right. So ex- well there's one time. No, okay. <laughs> that's a Williams story. But that's but that's a Williams well, story you're gonna have to probably on in the book 'cause that's really that's a big story. Yeah. So well, tell us about so, so tell us about so tell us about uh your Rick James Time, your time with oh, Rick, Rick James. James. Oh, Rick James. Oh, my God, Rick James. I could tell you, you know, this is so funny because George, I'll never forget, he loved George and Sly. Oh, my God, he loved them. So I, when I was singing <laughs> with him, every time, every time that George would do something crazy or it would be in the Jet magazine, he'd, all, he, he'd have a whole band and he'd tell me, look at the boys, look what they're doing now. But one time <laughs> I'm in California and, and, and Sly and George came to the room. Said, yo, Rick, I'm got some four hundred dollars, man. We want to write you this check. You give us the cash. And all he said, yo, man, it better not be rubber. The check better not be rubber. And he's like, nah, man, that check is rubber. I said, then after about, he called, he called a meeting. Like, look what your boys did again. I, I told him, I said, don't take that check, but you took it because you're, 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 you're like, you're, you're, you know, there's your boy. So hey, what can I tell you? But Rick was amazing. Um, the one when they say I'm Rick James, bitch, they don't. I don't know if I can curse, but uh, the whole line is, <laughs> do you know? Do you know who I am? I'm Rick James, bitch, and I'll have your job. Now that was the whole line because I heard him say it a bunch of times. He said it to a stewardess on the plane. He said, <laughs> I heard him the whole time. Oh, wow. oh man, yes, yes. He, if you dissed him at all, he would get the whole band behind the whole entourage. And he's gonna tell you off. That's that was Rick. But I loved Rick. Um, he was a great guy. He was a rock star in the true meaning of rock star. Do you hear me? Man, oh, yeah. I lived in, in his house in Buffalo when we were rehearsing, because I was a Mary Jane girl, too, like pre-Mary Jane, before the Mary Jane girls. Um, right. 
I was going to ask you that. Yeah, we were there. Yeah. And And, uh, an incident took place. Well, I was, I don't know if we want to get into that one. But anyway, um, I ended up leaving the tour for reasons that weren't beyond my, um, that'll be in the book too. Uh, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We got to buy this book. Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, okay. I, that book is a healing It's a healing source for me. You know, um, I'm just going to tell you, I got kicked by the road manager because I wouldn't sleep with him. But that was in the days before yeah. um, Me Too. And it was under the radar, like certain things. Because after I got kicked, I remember the girl giving me, like, these pain pills and saying, you know, this is a man's world, and you know you can't be doing it. I'm like, what? Well, the road manager <laughs> oh. I would not sleep with him. And so he... He was gonna put me in a room where he's gonna give me a roommate. I'm like, I'm not having a roommate. He said, Oh, you think you're rock star now? Are you rock star? I said, Look, I don't have to talk to you. I'll wait till Rick gets up and then I'll talk to him. And then he says, Oh, oh wow. I didn't have to kiss my, you know what? And so he kicked me. Yes. Mm. But, um, no. Um, because he told the judge, they were like, The judge, like, Oh, he just kicked a little bit. The judge didn't like that. So I, I, I did survive that situation, but it did affect me in a lot of ways. You know, I couldn't, it was crazy. That did affect me. That was a definitely a sexual. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. They don't cover that part when you get hurt because you won't comply. They don't even talk. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But that's horrible too. So yeah, it was, it was, it was horrible. And I left before when, when Val stayed, she got to meet Eddie Murphy in the studio I mean, all of that stuff that happened after that, I missed out on all that. But it's okay. Nope. Yeah. Because I'm still doing my yeah. thing. And, uh, you know, God, whatever God has in store for me, nobody can take it. So it just wasn't meant. That's right. You know? mm. But I did, yeah. But Rick, you know, Rick and I, we made up. You know, he still loved me. Um, and right. uh, I I still love him. I loved him a lot. He was a great, he was a great guy. He showed me how to rock star. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, he if you saw eat. his room with, with his shoes and his clothes, I still see it in my mind. It was unbelievable. He had every kind of shoes, wow. cowboy boots. I mean, he had all these clothes. His house was so big, I used to get lost. Yeah. Wow. It, it, it was nice. <laughs> so me how to rock star. Let me show you how to rock star. And I like that title. <laughs> yeah. Rick, 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 yeah. Rick rock star. He was a rock star. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, did you, excuse me, did you, um, be, previous to you coming back to Detroit, where, where were you previous to coming back to Detroit? I was in California working with Public Enemy, and I was working with uh, Chuck D and Gary Ronaldo in California. And um, we, we had done the the Midnight Train to Georgia, which they did play on the radio in California. Excuse me. Gary had hired this radio guy. He was a DJ that worked on the radio. And um, then, you know, when people, does this, does this happen to you guys when something's really going well and then somebody gets in the ear, into the ear of the person that you might be working with and things start to change a little bit? Has that ever happened to you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's happened. Several I don't times. even know what to Plenty call of it. times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you, times. If, if we could figure out how to prevent that, because that, 
I, I can see it happening, but that it happened with that situation. And the guy, Gary was already, and nothing was wrong with the way it was working. And Gary, when that happened, it just kind of went crazy. And I, I wasn't in the studio, and, you know, California is really expensive, y'all. Really expensive. Mm-hmm. And I was, mm-hmm. I, was there, yeah. I was making it happen. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go home. Because a lot of my friends started going home because their parents were dying. In my mind, I'm like, whoa, my mom's six and a half hours away from my mother, and if something happens to her, I want to be able to get to her really fast. So I told him, I said, look, Gary, wow. I'm going to go home. And you guys, when you guys want to um, uh, do some more recording, I'll come back. So I came home, and I just never went back to do any more recording. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I ended up getting my lawyer to get me out of that contract. Yeah, because then it was well, really funny because I watched him buy this really expensive car, and meanwhile he tells me, don't ask me for anything, any more money in front of my wife. I'm like, uh-oh, something's going weird here. Because he was working mm-hmm. in a car, helped me do this and that, and none of that really happened. And I felt like the money was, something was going on. So I just politely bowed out and came home. And yeah, glad for you. I needed to be here. I didn't even know that, you know, my mom was having, you know, my sister wasn't really helping my mom out. And my husband, who wasn't my husband at the time, said, you need to come home and be with your mother. <laughs> that was seven right. years ago. Yeah. I was like, okay. And I'm glad I did. Because you know what? Good. What you, you might go, you might go all over the world looking for things. You know, you think you're looking for your treasure and your, your big break. And it's right here in your own backyard. That's right. Yeah. So, right mm. so, so right Sheila, here. how 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 did you meet your man? Oh, Gregory. Well, I, I'd say Facebook was definitely instrumental because he reached out to all the brides of Funkenstein. He was like, I can't find any footage on you guys. When y'all going to do some shows together? So that was his main thing. He was trying to get the brides to come to Detroit and do a show. So he reached out to all of us. And I I was actually engaged to somebody else at the time. And I had come home, and he saw that I was here. Oh, you're here? I'm like, yeah. So we became friends. He was like my friend. And he was, you know, he knew all about the VA and everything. So the guy that I was engaged to was trying to get his VA thing together. So I said, why don't you help? I said, maybe he can help you. And he got really annoyed. Like, I don't need any help. But he and I, I had to go back to California. And when I asked him, my, my, my fiance, to help me drive, he was like, oh, you could do it by yourself. That was it for me. I was like, mm-mm, mm-hmm. no, mm-mm. So I broke it off with him. And then Greg was, he was just my friend. And Greg said, I'll go with you. <laughs> so when Greg agreed to, we actually flew out. To, he flew out to Arizona because my show was in Arizona. Then we went back to LA, and he helped me drive back, uh, drive back from California. Actually, I did all the driving, two thousand two hundred eighty-one miles. Um, mm-hmm. But he he, wow. he was willing to do that. I thought that was great. And then that's what we got really close, you know, during that time. And then we ended up getting engaged and then married. That's kind of what happened. Oh, it wasn't okay. planned. It was very organic. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, at this time, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come okay. back and finish up what we left off at, and we'll be right back. All right. 
From author Dr. Denise Gotadis comes a self-help guide that will give you valuable information about the world around you in ways never imagined. The Metaphysical God in Relation to His Creation. Available on Amazon. In this must-read book, you will learn about your importance in the world and the metaphysical universe around you. You will be introduced to the Metaphysical God who has a relationship with you and those around you. Whether you are aware of this or not, you come into contact with Him daily. He is omnipresent metaphysically. He is in and outside of His creation. And what does a metaphysical God have to do with you and the creation around you? You are a very big piece of a huge puzzle. The Metaphysical God in Relation to His Creator from author Dr. Denise Gotadis is available on Amazon. Order your copy right now. Every time. Fall for it, don't play 
Try not to fuel evil. You gotta watch how you do people. Cause I'd hate to go through life constantly looking over my shoulder. The game will probably never be quite as good as it was when I came into it. Greed assassinated that back in the day shit. Like when Molly took Coke out execution style face down in the woods. It ain't no coming back. Music used to be interpersonal. Now everything is virtual. You get no more than what's in black and white in your contract. Probably this. And you're not the hottest new artist out. These wreck execs will probably delete you from their contacts. Greed done killed the game. Greed done killed the game. Yes, so. Mm-hmm. 
This is CRS Radio, the knowledge station. You are listening to Motown Legends and Alumni with Billy and Billy. And we are back. We are back wow. with that. Wasn't that awesome? That was awesome. Wow, um, that Molly greed killed yes. the same like Molly killed cocaine. <laughs> yes, yes. Wow. And we are here. Yes, if you're so, just now listening in, we're talking with Amunka uh, from the uh, Brides of Funkenstein. Um, she has got some great material here. Um, and you're listening to Billy and Billy on the Illumina, Motown Illumina um, uh, channel. And we are talking with her. We're going to finish up um, on the history. I mean, she did a lot of different things in her life, um, especially with the, the um, some cartoons that were out with uh, yourself and George Clinton, um, Sly. I think a little bit everybody was in those cartoons. They were yes. absolutely hilarious. Oh. They were hilarious. So let's pick up wow. where we're at. Well, oh, yeah. did, did you know? Did you know that those cartoons were on YouTube, but you had to pay to to watch them? Really? You, 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 yeah, you had to pay for the series. To watch on YouTube. When it first came out, it wasn't, yeah, you didn't have to pay at first. They must be later. They did that later. Because I oh, definitely yeah. watched they did. Yeah. Yeah, because I've well, seen them. The, now yeah, they got so YouTube TV, TV, though, don't they? Well, so. the reason that I know, the reason that I know, because I bought the entire series of. Oh, you bought the entire series. Just, yeah, yeah, about the entire series, and wow. obviously, you know, the James Brown uh, series, that one was really good. The yeah, yeah, James that was series, that was good. So, so, uh, 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 who were, who were your uh, big people that you that you uh, fancied after as a child? Who 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 are the people that you admired? Oh, boy. Led Zeppelin? <laughs> I was a rock and roller. I lived in Syracuse. There weren't any R&B stations in Syracuse. It was mostly mm. pop. Or... So um, I liked Led Zeppelin. I liked Jimi Hendrix. Um, I, was, um, I couldn't even see the show because I was obviously – too young, but um, I liked uh, I liked Tina Turner. I liked uh, Janis Joplin, um, Bette Midler. Uh, I liked uh, uh, gosh, uh, let's see, there was somebody. Um, I actually knew Phoebe Snow. I love her voice. I actually met her at a at a session one time. But growing up, um, they were mostly like rock songs. Uh, Iron Iron Man. I would think that was Ozzy. Was that Ozzy Osbourne? Whatever group that was. Yeah. Um, the reason yeah. I like Led Zeppelin, my cousin told me, I was so naive. He told me he wrote Iron Maiden, right? And he told me he wrote he told he wrote Stairway to Heaven. I didn't know any better. Then I found out later it was Led Zeppelin. He said, "You know, I wrote the song. What do you think?" Motley Crue. I thought my cousin. Yeah. yeah, I thought he wrote Stairway to Heaven. But um, I, I was always drawn to rock and roll. So when I did Never by Texas and the Cowboy, George recognized that. Robert Plant thing. That's why there's a lot of screaming on that song. 
and I did a lot of takes. But um, I was, and I love Diana Ross. I, I really like Diana Ross too, and the Supremes. I like them, and uh, a lot of the Motown groups. I did like the Motown groups, and uh, I actually like the Beatles okay. song. I just, I was very versatile. I didn't, um, yeah, it's really, yeah. And, and of course, Jackie Wilson, because he's from Detroit, uh, of course. Um, my mother was a Jackie Wilson. She loved Jackie Wilson. And she played a lot of blues. My mother played a lot of blues st- stuff, too. So, and believe it or not, my little 13-year-old cousin, we were really young, and he had he had the, the thing of mine, your ass follow. I remember my aunt didn't want to buy it because he, he, he was young. Like, he can't get that record. Right. But, uh, yeah, I didn't even know who she was, though. I had no idea. None. None. That song, Free Your Mind, Your Ass Will Follow, I still remember that. That's the first time I ever got high. <laughs> I was like, oh. it blew me. It blew my mind, for real. I mean, that was yeah, a, that was yeah. the That's yeah. a heavy record. And it's a true record. You free your mind, you just go and you go in the you go in the right place and you keep moving. But if you're all cluttered right. up, you can't you can't go anywhere. That's so right. It made sense. Yeah. George had a lot of poignant records. Those records were really like you had to really think about it. And they made you think. You know? Yes, they did. And he, yeah. And people still man, I just did a thing the other day at the I don't know if you guys ever heard of this place called Soul on Island. It's a show on Livernoy and Joy. And I went over yeah. there. They were doing a, they were doing a, um, a Herbert Saunders wife. They own it, and they were doing a combat. The, the DJs were doing a, like a thing against what was it? Um, P Funk and uh, Black Funk side. They were honoring us. And my friend uh, Greg Dunmore, he basically was talking. He's a Kappa, so he talked to a Kappa guy. And they mentioned that they were going to honor us. He said, "Do you know what anybody?" He said, "Oh yeah, I know one of the brides." So they, this is the day before. This is how God works. This is I know when things are divine in divine order because um, it was the day before, and they called me up and we'd love you to come. So I went, and um, it was pretty. It was really awesome. I didn't know how much love people still have for the Brides of Funkenstein and Never Buy Sex from a Cowboy. It was it was crazy. It was it was amazing. I mean, there was there were people there said they Never Buy Sex every day. And it was the greatest day ever that they got to meet me. And it made me feel really warm and even more love for Detroit because I love Detroit. It just made me even closer to the people in Detroit. I love it here. I really do. And I love the people. Have you you ever done a record show? A record show? A record show. You know... Here in Detroit, they have uh, numerous major record shows that, now? that they have right now. Yeah. As a matter of fact, throughout the United States, they have a number of record shows where celebrities come and sign autographs. And, and, uh, and, and my question you actually is would you consider doing a record show? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm I love music. I love uh uh feeling the the, the vibration of it, like the 
the electricity involved in it and the people. I like seeing people happy, you know, through music because that's what we're for. It's like a big comforting hug. Hey, come on over here and have some fun over here because I think the reason we're on this earth is to have as much fun as possible as long as possible and find that's happiness. Right. That's, that's what I think. I believe you that. that way, I believe everybody, right? Yes, I believe that. And I must say this. I am a great fan of uh, all of the Funkadelics, the uh, Brides of Funkenstein, uh, oh. every, every, oh, I'm a big fan. Hey. Always have been from day one. Wow. Uh, I've wow. George Clinton, all of them, all throughout my life, to, to, to this day. I have materials that I brought you. Yeah. That's how I met Billy. Billy has been, Billy, mentor, he's a mentor to George and Carline. And I saw him, right. I'm like, wait a minute, I know him. Because, you know, like, whoever this guy is, mm-hmm. I mean, he's got to be the bomb. So I reached out right. to Billy because right. I wanted to know him, you know. And it was Aww. the best thing ever. <laughs> he's been so yes, amazing in life living here. Like, he's an earth angel. That's why I tell him all the time. You're an earth angel, Billy, because he always looks out for people. And uh, I will, I'm good, always going to be the best. He's a real good guy. <laughs> I've been knowing him for some years now, and he's a really good guy. Um, and we've been working hard, you know, building this, this station. And like I said, you know, more yes. than welcome to come I'd over love. to any of the stations we have. Um, we will uh, get together on that through Billy and make this yes. thing happen for you. And oh, uh, this is just yes. outstanding interview. I mean, I am very, very happy to have you on, um, as well as Billy even having you on personally. Because he has oh. been... Uh, a great, great person on this. This, all the hosts of the shows are really great. So we have a lineup of different shows, um, from comedy to jazz, um, to my show, the Chat Real with Billy and Friends. Uh, Denise has the Black Jewish Queen, and she's on um, Sundays, right? Denise Sundays. Yes. Yes. Four Sundays eight. at four p.m. Four six, my great grandmother yeah. is Jewish. My great grandmother yeah. is all. And um, really, you know, he spoke very both, yeah, he spoke highly of both of you two as well. I want you to know that he spoke, he speaks very highly of you. So I was like, well, Billy, you know, fine. So you guys are awesome, and I really appreciate this opportunity. And I would love to anything that I can do to make it thrive. I'm there, absolutely. Beautiful. That is the That's number awesome. one thing. That's the word. That is awesome, and we appreciate everything. We appreciate your time. And the fans, uh, uh, yes, can we you do. tell the fans how they can get your material? Is there oh. a site that they can go to? Um, well, yeah, I'm working on my website. Um, it, we had to take it down. We're, we're actually trying to update it. Uh, but I'm Sheila Brody I'm, uh, on Facebook and on uh, Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, you can find me definitely on any of those uh, platforms, but my website will be up and running very soon. Um, we just took it down to uh, to work on it and get it a little more. We want to update it, so because that's important. But you can definitely reach me at Sheila Brody Amuka. Um, my, I don't know if I should give my Gmail out, but I think I'll, can I do that? What do you think? I don't know. What you think. Oh, yeah, well. sure you can. Yeah, you can contact me. At Amuka Music, A M U K A M U S I C, at gmail.com. That's Amuka Music, one word, at gmail.com. And I'd be happy to hear from you. 
Absolutely. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, now, at I, this point in time, Billy, if there's any last words you want to say? Well, Denise, uh, I'm, I'm just happy that she came on last minute. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. And, and, and I thought that this was a wonderful interview. Uh, people can, people can can listen to this again, I believe, uh, in the archives of CRS yes, Radio. Great, and I believe that um, that you can also listen to my other uh, my last three uh, programs because all nice. so. So far, all of the programs that I've done has been quite informative. Nice. And I and I and I think that everybody, as you listen to each of the programs, particularly my first one, my, my, the very first one, it pretty much laid out what you're supposed to do to start in the music business. Nice. On a on a professional level. So, uh, Abuka, I'm just happy that you came on, that you uh, that you wanted to do this, and I'm sure my cohort from this program, I'm sure they were also pleased with your interview. Uh, well, thank you very much for inviting me. I'm totally honored. Um, and if there's anything I can do to... Um, for any of you guys, let me know. I mean, because this has really been a pleasure to just be able to talk freely. And probably, and you know, I'm glad you came on as well. And you are always welcome on my program. A lot of uh, oh, people from Israel listening. Yeah. Wow. So. <laughs> I've been, I've been yes. to Israel. I've been worldwide. worldwide. So um, definitely, uh, we'll be touching back in the with Caribbean. You. Uh, Yes. yes, Caribbean, uh, CRS Caribbean Radio. Uh, we'll be reaching back out um, to you soon. And uh, you have a blessed evening. And we'll be God, talking back God, soon. God bless you. Have a great Nice meeting yeah. you. Right. Uh, talk, talk to you later. Yes. All right, Denise. We are out of here. Good this night, is... everybody. All of our listeners. Yes. More to come. Yes, it is. We're listening to CRS Motown Legends and Alumni with Billy and Billy. Our special guest was Amuka, and she was awesome. Everyone have a wonderful night. Good night.